I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Harriet Minter and this is the Badass Women's Hour. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, then, oh, actually, if you've just been listening for the last couple of weeks, you might have heard me say that we're making a few changes. Well, here we go. The format now looks like this. We'll have some opinion on the news, what's happening, things you're talking about. I'll be interviewing a brilliant badass. And then we'll be rounding up with asking you what's going on for you and how can I help? If you've got a problem that you need some advice on, I'm going to be crowdsourcing the wisdom of the Badass Women's Hour listeners and giving you my own take on it. So do please drop me a line, harriet.minter at gmail.com or come find me on social and tell us how we can help. This week, I'm looking at mental health in young women during lockdown and some new Netflix shows that are caught in controversy, specifically the one around home birth. Plus, we're going to be talking about Sex and City. Just a little bit, I promise. Bryony Gordon is our badass of the week. I talked to her about her new book, The Guilt of Feeling Okay in Lockdown. What happens when everybody else is struggling, but you're sort of fine? Addiction and anxiety. And then finally, we answer or try and answer the problem, how do you homeschool your child when you've got a full-time job? Honestly, I don't know that anybody can actually do that, but I'm going to try and give you some strategies. And I had some brilliant advice from homeschooling mums on Instagram that I'll be sharing with you. First up, I do have something important to tell you about though. Drum roll, please. Okay, I wasn't actually planning on telling you this now because it feels a bit like I've changed the podcast just to tell you this and that's not really how it worked at all. They've just coincided. But anyway, I spent the end of last year writing a book. It was due to come out in late April, but because of the book's subject, the publishers have brought it forward and it's going to be out on the 4th of March. So if you're interested, please do go check it out. And if you've ever enjoyed this podcast, as a thank you, just recommend it to someone. That's all I'm asking. The book is called WFH, Working From Home, How to Build a Career You Love Outside the Office. It's basically for anyone working from home who feels like their career needs a bit of a boost. The book covers all the basics of working from home, such as how to build your routine, how to convince your boss it's a good idea, what to do when your Wi-Fi cuts out, all of that. But it also goes beyond that. I think too often we feel that people, and when I say people, I specifically mean women, um, want to work from home only because they've got kids to look after or they've decided they want to take their foot off the pedal of their career, have a better work-life balance, whatever that means. All of this, I think, is total, well, bullshit. 
sorry, I should have flagged that at the beginning of the show. In the revamp show, there might be some swearing. But the point is, I think a lot of us are working from home, well, partly because we've now been ordered to, but also because it suits us better. We don't have the commute. We get to set our own hours. We get to think about what our life looks like and make it work in a holistic manner as opposed to choosing work or life. Kind of having both. So working from home or WFH, the book, isn't what you do when you've had enough of your career. It's what you do when you appreciate that actually you want your career and your life to work together. Or you want to live somewhere that isn't a 45-minute packed train ride from where your office is. Or you just know that sometimes work is easier when you're not surrounded by people who want to have a gossip with you every five minutes. I put myself in the category of people that like to have a gossip. Right now, we're all being forced to work from home. So if you need some advice on how to do that, if you are finding it hard to stick with your productivity, if you don't know how to communicate with your colleagues, if you're finding it hard to collaborate on projects, all of that advice is in the book. But I suspect that when this pandemic is over, most of us will not return to the office full time. We'll probably be moving between office and our home. So the book looks at how you can set that up, stick to it, manage a team when you're not physically in the same room as them, deal with a difficult boss when you can't sit them down and have a face-to-face, all of those things. Oh, and how to build your network as well, how to find some people. I've crammed in a lot of advice to the book, but the thing that I'm most proud of is that about eight years ago, I was in a job that I knew I was lucky to have, but I didn't really enjoy. And I think that is the case for a lot of us. We're doing jobs that we're sort of, maybe we thought we wanted to do them five years ago, or we just feel really grateful to have a job in the current climate. Well, the book is full of the lessons and techniques that I used to actually work out what I did want from my career and then how to go and get it. That's me on the book for now. I'm sure I'll be telling you more about it over the coming weeks. Maybe we can have a badass women's hour book launch. Would anyone be up for that? Um, I'll think about how I can do that. But for now, let's get on with the show. But if you do want to find the book, it's WFH or just Google Harriet Minter on all good booksellers, Amazon, obviously, but also the amazing bookshop.org, which is all independent bookshops. So first things first, I wanted to return to the idea that on Badass Women's Hour, we talked about the topics that were important, whether that's important because they're big, serious social issues or important because all your mates are talking about them and you want to have an opinion. So here are a couple that have caught my attention this week. The first is news from Jane Kenyon, um, the founder of an organization called Girls Out Loud, which works with young women across the country, but also mainly in the north of England looking at the impact that lockdown has had on girls' mental health. I spoke to her on my radio show this week, and one of the things she said that really struck me was that child services lines have seen an increase of 75% calls in children reporting child abuse since lockdown began. I found that chilling, to the bone chilling. And I spoke to Jane about really what we could be doing and how we can help. And The reality is that actually, if you are one woman, you can't really do much for those children beyond offering financial support. So looking for organizations like Girls Out Loud, like the Young Women's Trust, Childline, all of those organizations where you can donate money because they are stretched right now. So they're receiving huge volumes of calls. They are really aware that young children, but also particularly young girls, are more 
I guess, more available for online grooming and for potential child abuse because A, most abuse happens at home, so they might be locked at home with their abusers, and B, if they're not, they're spending more time on their phone, on chat rooms, than they would be doing otherwise because usually they'd be at school. So thinking about how you can support those charities to support those young girls is hugely important. The other thing is about keeping an eye out for those girls in your community. So um, one of the points that Jane raised is that we think that lockdown means that we are all locked down, but we've all been teenagers. So we all know that actually when your parents tell you to do something, you're not really going to do it. When the government tells you to do something, you're not really going to do it. So a lot of those young girls are out seeing their friends, out in streets, on the parks, et cetera, et cetera, much as we all were as teenagers, right? But that means because there isn't that adult supervision, because there isn't a requirement for them to be in school and people noting when they're not, that they're actually far less protected than they were before. Um, so if you've got maybe a neighbor with a teenage daughter and you want to kind of keep an eye out for her, some things that you can do, just A, make friends you have been a teenager, try and channel that, find out what's going on for her, become, you know, the person that is of a slightly older and more responsible age, um, but isn't a parent. Um, B, see if you can help the parents as well. Being a parent right now during lockdown is tough. Can you provide food? Can you uh, offer to have a chat socially distanced, obviously, over the neighborhood's fence just to entertain their kids? Can you provide a listening ear to that parent if they're having a tough time? Just being aware that the number of kids facing abuse right now is way up and we all need to do everything we can to support. I don't have children, so I can't comment on whether or not they should or shouldn't be in school. I don't know. I do not know what the right answer is. And I think a lot of us right now are afraid to say that we don't know. It feels very important in this period of history that we all have to have a direct opinion on something, that we all have to think that lockdown is the only answer or kids in schools is the only answer. Honestly, I'm here to tell you that I think it's okay to say we don't know what the answer is and we could be wrong. So whether you believe that your kids should be at home or in school, I think you are valid in your opinion. But also know that the fact is that right now, by government mandate, they are not supposed to be in school unless you're a key worker. And that is leaving a lot of kids vulnerable. Something that I've seen a lot on my social media is um, references to a new film that's on Netflix called Pieces of a Woman and stars Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. We'll come on to Shia in a minute because I'm not a fan. Uh, but the film is all about um, one woman's home birth and the, I guess, aftermath of it. It's gaining loads and loads of applause, but it's getting lots of attention, particularly because essentially the first 23 minutes of the film are the birth. And if, like me, you are somebody who has not been through birth, it's eye-opening. I would say trigger warning for anyone who has been through birth, if it was traumatic for you. I'm not sure you're, I'm not sure you're going to want to relive it, but I, it's not... It's not comfortable viewing and 23 minutes, it turns out, is a very, very short birth, but a very, very long time to watch somebody give birth. Um, Vanessa's acting is amazing. But the thing that's interesting to me is that the story of the film is actually based on director and screenwriter's real life story. So he and his wife went through the same thing. Um, I'm about to give you a bit of a spoiler. It's not a big spoiler, really, if you've read anything about the film, but it is a spoiler. So I don't know, skip forward a minute or two if you don't want to hear it. But at the end of the home birth, um, 
essentially the baby dies. And it's about the couple coming to terms with that. And it's ignited a really big debate about whether or not the film is kind of demonizing home birth and putting more and more pressure on women to have um, have hospital births. Now, as somebody who, like I said, don't have kids, but if I was to have a child, you can guarantee that I would be having every medical intervention available to me, every single one of them, which is not to say that I don't think women should be having home births. I I actually, I completely understand the logic of wanting to do something stressful in the comfort of your own home. I think there is a lot to be said for understanding that's what our bodies are designed to do and how we how we go with that. Um, but I'm also just saying that I, I would be there taking the drugs. Um, I think the point of this film has been lost in the debate around it. So there have been articles saying that, like I said, it's demonizing home birth or articles pushing for women to understand home birth better. Articles saying that actually this is the proof that women certainly in their first pregnancy should not be having home births. (sighs) People, it's a film. It's a film. It is a fictional portrayal. Yes. Of a real story, but also it is a fictional portrayal. It is a stylized portrayal. The director himself says, you know, that he had to look at how do you show birth in 23 minutes because very, very few births take 23 minutes. Um, And he wanted to make it seem as real and as visceral as possible. But also the reality is that we're seeing a stylized version and we can't take this as proof that one side of the debate is right or wrong. You know, this goes back to what I was saying before. We need to stand in a place where we can say, I don't know, or this is my view, but it could be wrong. Let's not let what is an incredible film, and it is incredible, and if you haven't seen it, I really recommend. Um, Although, obviously, with the aforementioned trigger warnings, but let's not let an incredible film define how we as women feel about our bodies and the process of birth and it's not it's not something to have a hard and fast rule on surely it's something that we get to be individual about and we get to think about for ourselves and finally on today's new section in a lighter note I can't actually believe I'm saying it because I find it so funny sex in the city is returning yes Carrie Bradshaw is back um Sex and the City was completely defining for me. I watched it the whole way through, end of school, university. I know all the arguments against it. It's consumerist, massively. It's unrealistic. Please, you are listening to a journalist. I am very aware that Carrie's one column a week was not paying for a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. It wasn't even paying for one of those pairs of shoes. Um it glamorized women being a bit vacuous. Yes, but you know what? It was the early noughties. And I want to be honest and say, we were all vacuous in the early noughties. And if you say that you weren't, you are lying. We were all pretty vacuous then. We weren't busy being activists. That's the thing we did in the 10s and probably in the 20s. We were busy shopping and worrying about whether or not we could see our fake tan lines. And I would like to say that I'm a better person now than I was then. I hope I am. But you know what? I'm probably better because I spend a bit of time being vacuous. That's okay. 
Um, the one interesting thing, however, about the return of Sex and City is that Kim Cattrall is not coming back. Kim Cattrall very famously fell out with all the cast, didn't get on with them. Uh, I think she gave an interview in which she said Sarah Jessica Parker was really pushy when I think it was Kim's brother had died. Um, and so she is not coming back to the show. And I know this is going to cause lots of people to say, well, women can't work together. And this is proof that women don't work well together, et cetera, et cetera. I think that this is proof that women are capable of making their own decisions and capable of deciding who they do and don't want to work with and capable of having a perfectly reasonable conversation about that. I really hope that SJP approached Kim Cattrall and Kim Cattrall said, you know what, it's a really kind offer, but it's not for me. Because surely that's how we should all deal with each other in a professional context. Um, Just because a woman says no to something doesn't mean that she is a diva or that she is a bitch or that she is difficult. Just means it's not for her and that's okay. One woman, definitely not a diva, is the fabulous Bryony Gordon. Her new book, No Such Thing As Normal, is out now and I spoke to her about it. If you don't know Bryony, she's an author, journalist and mental health campaigner. Um, We talked about why we both felt weirdly comfortable with lockdown and what that says about us. The simple things we all need to do to look after our mental health. She is a really big fan of taking it back to basics and why the provision of services that support mental health need to be much further up the government's agenda. Here she is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. She has not only talked the talk, she's literally walked the walk. She has been bringing people out of their shell to talk about mental health, the way it impacts them. She's written about everything from her relationship with alcohol to anxiety. And her new book talks about the ways we can all look after ourselves better and accept there is no such thing as normal. Bryony Gordon joins me now. Hi, Bryony. Hi, Harriet. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Um, Particularly, I'm excited to have you because 
I am feeling this first week of January a little bit meh, to be honest. Yeah. But you and your humour have been cheering me up across social media. So I want to ask you, first of all, how do you, even in the times when things are dark and a bit depressing, a fair understatement of the year, um, how do you still manage to find the ability to talk about it? I It's really interesting because I found... I don't know if this resonates with anyone listening right now, but if you, I have an, you know, I like a lot of people have a history of mental illness and from the age of like 12, I was having lockdowns in my own head, right? So like I had quite chronic obsessive compulsive disorder from the age of 11, 12, and then that led to very serious depression. Well, all depressions are serious, but, um, and then I had, you know, alcoholism, you know, which was my way of trying to cope with those Mm -hmm. things. And so I've sort of been waiting for the world to end my whole life. And so when the world as we knew it started to end um, last year, it was very strange for me to realise that I actually was taking it sort of in my stride. Like, obviously, I feel the anxiety. I feel the stress. I feel the darkness like everyone else. But um, I feel like I've sort of been preparing for these kind of things in my head for my whole life. And so I... Yeah, which is the kind of the point of the book. No such thing as normal. I realized it was really interesting. All the people I knew that had experienced mental health crisis before were were also taking it in their stride. And all the people that had previously seemed to have taken their life, everything in their stride, <laughs> were freaking out. And going to the people, like, that people, Harriet, that people were coming to me for advice. And literally, <laughs> like, I am the world, I, I am, I literally, I'm, I have made a career out of being a mess, basically. <laughs> Can I say literally one more? And that made, that, that was incredible to me. And I realised suddenly all these things that we think often are flaws and failures in ourselves. Yeah were actually more like superpowers. So I wanted to write, so no such thing as normal is is kind of all of the things that I have learned about being well that I could only have learned from being very unwell and mentally ill. And so at the moment, I, I, I'm using, my thing is like, I can't, I have no... Uh, there's nothing I can do about what's going on in the world other than follow the rules, do what I'm yeah. told, do you know what I mean? Stay home, all of that. But... Um, in my own head, I'm like, I, I just have to keep on going and I'm just trying. Because I, I do think there's a sort of, there's a real tendency that we have at the moment. We, like, it's almost, it's almost like we can't say we're okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's offensive to be happy in the same way that it was offensive. Mental illness has also yeah. been, has kind of been offensive to show before. I Whereas think- now, yeah, it feels kind of like you can't be, and I just try, I, there's nothing mm-hmm. I can do. I've got my health, I've got my family, um, and so I just try and be positive. That is so interesting to me, what you said there about it, it's not okay to be happy right now in the way that it wasn't okay to be unhappy before, which yeah. I think is really true because I certainly um, I certainly have had you know my own stuff with mental health where I had to learn the very important lesson, which is really you don't have a lot of control over the big stuff. You really no, don't. You don't. No. And so you have to be okay kind of sitting in that and being like, well, I'll control what I can control and everything else I'll just kind of have to accept that it will probably work out in some way and shape or form in the end. Yeah. And I think that has kind of set me up quite well for lockdown. I mean, like, yeah, I agree. We aren't powerless, you know. And I, and I think that's, you know, it kind of, I have learned, and this I have only learned through mm. doing things like through getting sober and, and, and being lucky enough to have gone to rehab and to do things like 12-step programs, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they teach you 
all about surrender and acceptance <laughs> and you know we can we only we control what we can you know which is very little as you said <laughs> and 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 the rest of it you just have to sort of let go a bit but you know I also appreciate Harriet because I don't want to undermine yeah. I also appreciate that this situation and lockdown and all of that has had a very negative effect on people's mental health mm-hmm. and you know, I always say that the thing that all mental illnesses and all mental health issues have in common from anxiety through to psychosis and beyond is that they lie to you and they tell you you're a freak and they tell you you're alone yeah. and they tell you that no one's going to understand what you're going through. And that that's just not true. But if you, you know, they, they work by isolating you. They work in very much the same way as an abuser does, mm-hmm. okay, by like silencing you and keeping you apart from people. So if you think about the situation we find ourselves now, which is like state-sanctioned isolation, basically, yeah. it, it feeds into those elements of our of our heads. And, you know, I find I, it was a lot, a lot of people I knew who, um, who well, would describe themselves as anxious and depressive people or people mm. with a history of that actually were very relieved when lockdown first happened in April. And they, mm-hmm. and it, they said it actually was like a, um, an escape from the, you know, all the anxieties that they used to have to face on a daily basis. But, and I felt that as well I don't know about you but <laughs> but actually what I realize is the the bit of me that breathes a sigh of relief isn't actually me it's like the gremlin in my head you know because mm-hmm. it's because he's like or like a move in front and center unpack my clothes and get you know and, and get and get and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, get my feet cozy yeah. under the carpet and you know so I, I, I can see how it's really difficult and I've had to fight really hard with all of the coping mechanisms that I have picked up through decades of breakdowns basically to, to stay upbeat and perky like I you know today just the thought of coming on this show tonight has, has petrified me oh, I, I I sound like you know I sound like upbeat and out there yeah but I have been anxious all day about it you know and and you know I think it's really important we talk about this stuff in our heads because I the thing I've learned about from when I first wrote about the mm-hmm. OCD and the yeah. suicidal stuff that came along with it and um of like I don't know how many years ago it was now it it was like a desperate cry for help of like I know intellectually that there are people out there like me because I keep hearing this bloody figure of one in four one in four people but I never meet anyone who admits to being part of the one in four and I'm like if you because there's so much shame attached to it of course Mm -hmm. and I'm like if you also have this thing like I do OCD please please come and tell me that's why I wrote it (laughs) because I'm like then I know I'm not mad or I am mad but it's okay I'm not bad you know, because there were times, Harriet, where I thought I was the worst person in the world. My yeah. head told me I was the worst person in the world. And so what the thing I realized as soon as I started writing about it in the Telegraph, where I, I have a column and then writing about it in the books that I've written, mm-hmm. I, people, you know, it's it's an act. It's, it's helpful for me. Sorry, I'm really going off on no, one now. Okay. It's helpful for me because people get in touch and tell me, oh, I've had that too. And I realize I'm not alone. And, you know, and the thing I've realized through all of this and through all the work I've done in the mental health community is that it's really the most normal thing in the world to feel weird. And actually really weird people are people that claim to be, be tickety boo yeah. the whole time, you know? And, um, and I think we, we're only stronger if we, if we all admit the kind of the things, the madness that goes on in our heads, you know, brains are, that's what I say in this book is that 
you know, we're not failures for for having these um, for having mental health issues. We're just normal humans with brains <laughs> and at the mercy of brains. And brains are like the most mysterious things in biology. You know, um, I and, think and it, so. And there's yeah. something which I thought was really interesting. When you said, you know, the more I talk about it, the more people say, "Oh yes, me too." And I don't know about you, but I find that happens all the time. So I, I'll talk about something and I'll think, oh, this is the thing that I have to talk about because it's just me. And somebody says, oh, no, I understand that. I've been there too. And then literally like a month later, I'll have something else where I think, oh, this must just be me. And then I'll talk about somebody says, no, no, me too. And it's so constantly reassuring to have mm. what we think of as our kind of, well, sometimes I don't even think of them as weird. Sometimes in my head, I'm like, yes, totally normal, but only me. These things that we think are unique to ourselves just confirm that actually, no, we're not that special now that happens to other people too. No, and it is that is a relief. It is a relief to realise because I, I, and I'm got to be careful with my language here, mm. but I, I have a tendency to think that I'm a piece of poo the world revolves around, yeah. um, and but I, but it's amazing to me through 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 the work I do to realise that I am literally everyone thinks that from time mm. to time. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? And and yeah, I just I, I I find it much. It's weirdly because I always used to think of therapy and talking about mental health. But, you know, back in the back in the nineties and the noughties, I was like, it's so indulgent, self indulgent. <laughs> but actually, weirdly, it makes me much more able to show up and be present for the people in my life. Right? Yeah. Do you find that like oh, the more absolutely that you can sort of it gives it right sizes me. I mean, I think that's one of the most interesting things, right, which is the more we sort of uh, take us... I think when I started doing therapy, I thought it was terribly self-indulgent. <laughs> really, A, I thought it was very self-indulgent, and B, I thought, well, there's nothing they're going to tell me that I don't already know. <laughs> oh, yeah, how wrong yeah. I was. And, um, but actually what it's allowed me to then do is, because I'm not wasting a lot of headspace thinking about what's going on for me and what are you thinking about, what I'm thinking about right now, and, oh, God, is there something I should be aware of? It allows me to quiet that down and sit with the other person and actually make space for that other person and to understand them and to be with them better because I've taken all the anxiety about me out of the room. Yeah, and it's sense. so it does totally make sense. And but I think it's also there's another reason it's really crucial mm. that we stop thinking of talking therapies as indulgent. It's because yeah. they are absolutely crucial to um, to, to helping uh, to, to for the in the treatment of mental health, yeah. of mental illness, and um, they should be available to everybody mm. on the NHS who presents with a mental illness. Yeah. And of course, they and, and and the more that we see them as a kind of luxury kind of Hollywood style thing you know self-indulgent the less we are able to help people that really do need it and um it is we know that talking therapies medication movement exercise you know this whole thing is 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 the key to treating um mental health issues but you can't you know you can't just do it with antidepressants you can't just do you know it's it's a really holistic approach is is required and you know i think the nhs is getting much better at um at, at, at that but they we really need to press more so that they requ- they receive the funding that they Absolutely. you know that that everyone and that and that you know in the book i've done a whole section mm-hmm. on what is available because we hear so often don't we about how bad yeah. mental health provision is in this country and it's important that we keep banging that drum to campaign to get more to get better funding but if you're in crisis that in itself isn't very helpful yeah. 
right? It's like there is stuff available, but we don't know uh, instinctively what is available on the NHS in the same way that we would and we do if we become physically unwell. Um, and of course, this is a great talking point at the moment with everything that tragically is going on with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we mustn't, we need. Uh, you know, I think it's now we need to focus so much on our healthcare system and how absolutely integral they are to the, you know, to the running of all of our lives. It's sort of written into our DNA, the NHS. And, you know, I think it's really important to do that with mental health care as well. Um, so I'm really burbling now. But so, so I spoke to lots of people for the book who work in the NHS and mental health services to ask them what was available, what's, you know, what, what are the waiting times supposed to be? What are, because... Uh, you know, and and what's the best way to access the system? Because people don't know, for example, that they can self-refer online for counselling yeah. uh, in the in in England um, via a system called IAPT. You know, so if you're listening right now and you think you need help and you have a GP, you don't even have to go to the GP. You can Google IAPT, I A P T, self-referral, and put in your detail GP's details, and they will. That will, that will get wow. you into the system and onto the waiting list for help. And, you know, the more we know about that stuff, the more it feeds through, the more the NHS can let the powers that be know, the you know, the numbers of people that need it and are accessing it. Yeah. I mean, I think that sort of thing is really important to know. That's how simple it is. It's that it's available. And actually, it's not a big deal to do it you can that's a, that's a small step that you can take and then you're you're on you're in the system some somebody yeah. will come and help you at that point um i wanted to ask you because i really admire your bravery in talking about anything and everything that is going on with you and particularly in no such thing as normal where you talk about how you sort of at the start of the lockdown you were like oh I think I've got this licked no I'm I'm all good I've got my I've got I've got everything together I'm gonna absolutely smash this and then you realize that actually what you thought was like a bit of a late midnight snack had actually turned into a binge eating disorder and that you were going to work through that and talk about that and I I mean, actually, probably about almost to the day two years ago today on this show talked about having a binge eating disorder. And actually, I found talking about it. I mean, I I think I'm sort of, you know, I've worked through it and I've done my therapy and I've talked about it with other people. But I found talking about it in public, I mean, almost terrifying. Mm. How do you find the bravery to do stuff like that? Well, it's not to me. It, I don't know. It's not. And well done for talking about it publicly as well, Harriet. Like massive kudos. And I, 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 I don't feel it's. I don't know. It just feels necessary for me. And and but I'm also quite careful about because that was something like. But the reason I put that in the book, at yeah. The, and it's not a book about binge eating disorder. And mm-hmm. it was, it was a realization I had it. I had as I was writing the book, and you know it 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 was like. It's to kind of make the point that we always we're always looking for cures for mental health issues, and we're always mm. you know we're looking for happy, and yeah. you know obviously happy is great, but it's not the only way to be, and we shouldn't feel ashamed if we're not feeling happy. And I guess what I try to make the point is is that mental health is like a long term commitment that you make and you have to work at. And you know, I guess when we went into lockdown, all my normal coping mechanisms like going to twelve step meetings yeah. in person, going to 
see my counsellor from rehab, all of that. Um, all of those normal little things that I'd picked up had gone. And, and, then, and then what happened was the stress of what is a stressful, incredibly stressful, and I think sort of globally quite traumatic mm. event yeah. um, manifested it itself for me in that I... Uh, 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 yeah I was binge eating um and you know and I've written about bulimia before and I thought Mm. because I wasn't purging it was fine and I was like (laughs) this is not fine I'm literally eating raw sausages from this I mean this is gross right but so but I had to kind of confront that and deal with it and what but what the reason I mention it is because it was like I felt really hopeful I didn't think oh god not another bloody mental health (laughs) issue like Christ Briny can't you just get a grip you know which is the voice I usually say to myself (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of, this is, yeah, this makes sense because there's like a pandemic on yeah. and all of your normal coping mechanisms have gone. And, you know, that you, so you get your perkiness for so long. So I'm like, okay, and I'm just going to like, I called up Beat, which is the eating disorders charity. And I was like, could you please let me know where I go for help? And, I, and now I've got, I'm doing online work with an ED therapist. Mm-hmm. Which just you know involves looking food and all of that, but I yeah. you know I but I mentioned it because I wanted people to know that it's okay, it's okay, and it's like it's like we don't every time we get the cold or flu or I don't know if you if you come down with COVID or whatever and you you don't go oh my god I'm just the worst person ever because my immune system has responded to a virus in exactly the way and <laughs> immune system would. we don't do that to ourselves you know which we do with with mental health issues we're like oh why haven't I got it yeah why why am I still feeling anxious well because you're a human with a brain do you know what I mean and brains respond like this so that's why I mentioned the binge eating disorder I, I haven't really you know it is literally two paragraphs in the whole book and I yeah. No, I don't. I'm still doing the treatment for it, but I don't feel ashamed to admit it. And I don't, you know, I, I just think it's it's just one of those things that has happened, you know. And 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 it's a bit like I think if you are a recover an alcoholic, yeah, in recovery, it's it can sometimes feel a bit like whack a mole. I don't know if that resonates <laughs> with anyone who, you know, you put down the booze and then I mean I'm I'm nearly four years sober now but it's like you put but I'm like oh look there oh food now but like let's let's face it food is a hell of a lot better than where I was mm-hmm. on four years ago with the booze so I try not to be too hard <laughs> on myself you know and I think that's such a lovely um metaphor there about kind of if you get a cold you don't think oh god I'm a terrible person but also if you get a cold you don't think oh well it's okay I've got over this cold and I'm never gonna have a cold again no, you know exactly. you go Oh, exactly. next time I have a cold, I'll remember to take some vitamin C early on in it. And, yeah, yeah. It's I'll get some, I'll get some part of life. ginger or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you learn each time you get a cold how better to deal with the cold. And it's the same thing with like, I, I think with mental health issues each time you go oh do I remember you know I remember that mm-hmm. bout of generalized anxiety disorder or whatever yeah. and I remember anyway so that yeah. that's and this book is basically all everything I have learned that has been truly helpful to me over the years of having a brain and being a normal mm-hmm. human being that with a brain that sl- sl- sometimes misfires and a misguided attempt to protect me um what are the things that I wish someone had been a- someone <laughs> would have told me when I was 11 do you know what I mean you know and this is this book is basically all of that in there what what are some of those things because you talk about I loved the book you talked about the basics you're like don't worry about anything else get the basics right what are the basics that we all need to have in place for our mental health 
Okay, well, let's talk about the basics because I think what happens, a lot of the advice on dealing with mental health issues is quite woolly and vague, yeah. right? So, like, you hear people go, oh, try meditation, try mindfulness. But, like, asking someone in crisis yeah. to try mindfulness is like, oh, meditation is like asking someone in a lead suit to go for a swim. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. like, my, mindfulness and meditation are brilliant. Do not get me wrong. I will not do that. But they're brilliant when you're in a good place at maintaining the good place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not, you know, and, and what happens is people try it and then they, they go, I can't do it. I hate it. I'm useless. And they, you know, they get further into the trap. So for me, the thing is the basics of like, okay, you need to try and eat three times a day. You need to drink water. You need to cut out booze, I'm afraid, because booze is a depressant that masquerades yeah. as a relaxant. No, a relaxant. That ma- no, hang on. What is it? Yeah, it's you're right. That masquerades you're right. as a relaxant, yeah. right? You need to get, you need to try and get sleep. And of course, for me, that's a bit of a catch-22 thing because when I'm feeling low, my sleep goes. But you know, do and and then things like breathing. And I used to go, but people would say to me, "Now, Bryony, are you breathing?" I'd be like, "Of course, I'm breathing. I'm a, I wouldn't be alive if I wasn't breathing." But I realised there's amazing people like Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, who yeah. he does this thing called three, four, five breathing, which is you. Um, hang on, what is it? You breathe in for three, hold for four, and breathe out for five. And it really does. It does actually slow down your nervous system, right? And has an amazing effect. And I realized there's breathing to kind of stay alive. And then there's breathing to actually enjoy staying alive. (laughs) And there's loads of little tips and tricks that we can employ uh, to to actually, on a practical, physical level, make ourselves feel better. And, um, And then from that, of course, you get more of a sense of agency. So there's that. But there's also things like knowing the basics of... I think it's been really helpful for me to know that most mental illnesses are go way back, you know, as an, from an evolutionary perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, we know with schizophrenia that, um, de, you know, paranoid delusions and delusions of grandeur, which are the kind of things defining things that we know about it. But we know that that that's a sort of weird primal brain thing. So when we were in on the plains of, you know, the African savannas when humans first came to be, we had to be looking over our shoulders, didn't we, for yeah. rival tribes and lions. And that sort of transfers brain-wise into paranoid delusions. But then what would we do if we came up against the tribes or the lions? We'd make ourselves big to scare them away. Delusions of grandeur. So most mental illnesses have a basis in something that was actually genuinely useful to you back in the you know millions of years ago and that is somehow it's like slightly misfired and like I've realized with my OCD that that was my brain's way of trying to make me feel safe right but it doesn't work and I think once you start to get to grips with because you hear a lot of people say oh depression is just like it's um what do they say it's like you know it's just a brain chemistry thing but it, yeah. it's not it's more it's more complicated than that and um I think when we start to understand the kind of defining characteristics of mental illnesses the purposes of them um in a sort of evolutionary way we can start to sort of just you know we can start to get that space from it and go okay this is what's happening in my brain so <laughs> there's so many things I mean like and I and but also it's like knowing what what worrying you know like what what is the actual purpose of worrying it's our yeah. brain's way of preparing us you know of trying to control mm-hmm. the outcome but we we can't control the outcome and you know but it's also not beating yourself up if you are a worrier do you know what I mean like yeah. it's not it's not trying to kind of 
it's trying not to put you know it's trying I don't know it's accepting yourself for who you are and trying to you know well it's a bit um, of taking that kind of you know slightly I mean it's a bit hackneyed now but the hashtag be kind and we're sort of hashtagging be kind to other people but actually the first person you've got to be kind to is yourself because it makes it much easier for a start to be kind to everybody else um yeah but also why would you be gentle and kind and thoughtful and um sweet and accepting of your best friend and you wouldn't do that to yourself you know you wouldn't talk the way wouldn't talk to your best friend the way we so often talk to ourselves so why are we doing that we can just let that go yeah absolutely I mean these are these are the things that they I think sometimes we can sort of they can be presented to us in a way that's kind of annoying like yeah. instagrammy and kind of wellnessy yeah. and go all oh, very pink sorry yeah. and and actually fundamentally they there is all sense to it um but yeah I wanted to try and sort of cut through that sort of slightly um woolly yeah <laughs> thing and like be like what if I was in crisis right now what would genuinely (laughs) be useful to me you know because I I I, it's hard actually now I'm quite unquite well or I'm Mm. you know I'm I'm mostly well and I'm to remember that not that long ago it was really dark for me you know really dark like didn't know how I was going to get through the next hour let alone the next day kind of thing and um you know but uh, what I would say to anyone listening who feels that is that it will it can change and it isn't it 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 doesn't it doesn't always feel like this and I can't tell you exactly when it will change because that was what people would go this too will pass and I'd be like but when When? could you give me could you give me an exact time date for when it will pass absolutely like, don't give me this woolly. Don't tell me it will. Tell me when. And what yeah, I need to do like, to make that happen. Yeah, I am over feeling like this now. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Or not feeling or whatever. But it mm. does It does happen. And it's the little, it's tiny little things that you can put in. And even if you just do one of those things each day, you are, you know, you, 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 we talk about, and psychotherapists talk about the work, doing yeah. the work. And even by being unwell, you are doing the work, you know. And I think it's it's giving yourself a break. Um yeah. and you know, and um yeah. Absolutely. Bryony, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for writing such a just gorgeous book, No Such Thing as Normal, intensely reassuring in these very unreassuring times. Um so big thank you, Bryony Gordon there. No such thing as normal out now. Just lovely if you're feeling a bit like you need a kind of sit down with a cup of tea and a book that's going to give you a hug i thoroughly recommend it this is the badass women's hour podcast that was friday gordon talking all things mental health in lockdown and her new book it's called no such thing as normal it's out now Finally, for this week, we are doing a weekly problem. So each week, I'm inviting you to email me, harriet.minter at gmail.com, or find me on social media at harrietminter and tell me what you need help with. I will then crowdsource the wisdom of the badass listeners and some of my own, and we'll combine it, and hopefully, we might get to an answer. This week, of course, the key topic that everyone is worrying about is homeschooling. So even if you don't have kids, let me tell you why it's important that you need to think about homeschooling right now. It's important because you almost certainly do work with somebody who has kids and they are worrying about homeschooling right now. 
So if you're working with somebody and you think, why are they not getting back to my emails? Why is this taking longer? Why do they keep changing the time of that meeting? Uh, Why, when we're having that meeting, do they look absolutely terrified and as though perhaps they're perching on, on the loo in their bathroom? Well, it's because they're trying to hold that meeting and homeschool children who don't want to be homeschooled. Let's just think back to when you were a child. When you were a child, if you were told that school was out and you, instead of having to go in and to your classroom every single day, you could just work from home, how much work would you be doing, right? Think about that. For those of you homeschooling, I did ask my social media for some advice because like I said, I don't have kids. And so I can only give you the advice that I see working for other people and some thoughts on, from my book actually on how to set some boundaries. So this is some stuff that brilliant people I know have told me. The first thing that came through really clearly when I asked, how do we make homeschooling less stressful for mums right now? And just FYI, yes, it also should be less stressful for dads, but the stats all show the majority of homeschooling is being done by mums. So this show is for the mums. Um, So how do we make it less stressful? So the first thing that nearly everyone said was just make sure that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself. Now is not the time to be full on tiger mum. If your kids don't make it to Oxbridge this year, they will still be okay. I think it's really important when we're by ourselves that we don't let the story in our head become the defining story. And what I mean by that is when you are in the middle of a pandemic, homeschooling your child at home with nobody else around you, you don't know what everybody else is doing. And it's really easy for our heads to make up a story about that and say everybody else's children are doing eight hours of school a day. They're going on amazing creative play dates to the park with their dad. They are reading Proust in the original Russian. Was Proust Russian? I don't know. Uh, They are acting out Shakespeare's As You Like It right this minute. No, that's not happening. Nobody's kids are doing eight hours of homeschooling a day just for a start. And if they are, those kids need help. Nobody's kids are nailing their GCSE homework without the slightest peep of trouble or the slightest strop that they have to do it when they don't want to. Your kids are normal and you are normal for finding it really stressful. There's a reason that you didn't become a teacher. And teachers who are homeschooling right now, I'm really sorry. You've got double work. So that's the first thing. Set your expectations, be kind to yourself and don't let the story in your head take over. Nobody else is doing any better than you are right now. And if somebody on your WhatsApp school WhatsApp group says they are, they are lying. The second thing that came out from lots of different people is actually being reasonable with the expectation of how many hours of work you and your kids are capable of. So in the book, WFH, I talk about how as adults, when we work from home, doing eight hours working from home is very, very different from doing eight hours in the office. In fact, eight hours at home is probably three days of work in the office. And that's because when you're in an office, you have people who whiz by your desk for a quotes quick chat and half an hour later is still there. You take a break to go for coffee with your colleague. You get pulled into meetings. There are lots of things to distract you. And so you're not sitting there concentrating on one piece of work. And the same is true for your kids, right? You might think they are the greatest scholars of all time, but they are still passing notes to their mates in the classroom, checking their social media and gazing out the window. 
they're not doing eight hours of solid work. So trying to expect them to in a lockdown situation, it's not going to happen. Out of all the responses I got, the biggest amount of time anyone was spending doing homeschooling each week was three hours. So three hours a day feels like, I mean, I would feel impressed with myself if I did three hours straight on some basic maths. So don't expect much more from you or your kids. It's okay. Um, Some other great tips that came through quite a lot was the constant fear that you weren't being creative enough or you're being too creative. So is it homeschooling as play or homeschooling as sitting down and Michael Goving it with the Latin, right? Um, So a couple of views on this. I would say about half the responses really felt that play equals schooling. So kids learn, particularly younger kids, learn through play. So they learn through creative walks. They learn about seasons and nature and human biology by getting outside. They learn about, um, I don't really know what they learn about through art. I didn't learn a lot through art. I learned a lot through reading, although I suppose if everyone's kids were sitting there reading eight hours a day, you'd all be fine. Um, But basically thinking about actually just because it doesn't look like schoolwork doesn't mean that your kids aren't learning. Years ago, I talked to Stacey Solomon about homeschooling and she was homeschooling both her kids at the time. And she said, actually, one of the joys of it was that you could kind of follow their interest rather than having to be set by what the curriculum said. So if it turns out they're really interested in space, it's okay to learn about space for a couple of hours rather than doing exactly what is on the uh, school handouts. And finally, and my favorite response, this only came from a couple of mums, but they are the true badass mums out there. They said they just emailed the head teachers and said, I'm really sorry, but I have a full time job and I'm trying to do that. Probably not going to be able to do all the worksheets or maybe any of the worksheets you've set back. I think my kids will be okay. Now, what I love about this is A, there's such a strong set of boundaries there, right? It's like, don't WhatsApp me, don't email me, they will work it out. And if they don't, we'll work out a way of catching them up later. I really like the boundary setting on it. But also there is the confidence there, which says it will be okay. And it honestly and truly, it really will. And not to diminish the problem, but really, when was the last time anybody asked you for your GCSE or A-level results, right? Long term, they will be okay. I didn't know how to use an apostrophe until about six weeks before my English lit A-level. And then I became a journalist. They will work it out. You are doing enough right now. You shouldn't have to add this onto the list of worries. You are not solely responsible for your child's future. I know it doesn't feel like that, but I promise you're not. And kids are resilient. Right now, they are learning amazing lessons in resilience, in patience, and in entertaining themselves. And that is the sort of thing that's going to last them for the rest of their life. We're coming to the end of this week's Badass Women's Hour. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the new format. If you have, let me know. If you also, if you haven't, you can let me know, but just do it kindly. You know, constructive criticism. What would you like more of? What would you like less of? That sort of thing. But if you have, please do me a favor and say so. So leave a little review on the podcast. It really helps other people find us and means that when they do find us, they trust you enough to listen to the show. The show is now coming every Wednesday, like I've said before, but just a reminder, we'll be here every Wednesday. But if you want to talk to me in the meantime, you can find me at Harriet Minter or at Badass Women's Hour on all the socials. We'll be putting question of the week. And if you've got one, feel free to email it to me or send me a DM. We'll be putting it out on social media and asking for your feedback and comments. So just like those brilliant wise women who gave me some fantastic advice on Instagram, 
maybe that could be you next week um is that all for this week I think it is this has been fun isn't it we'll do it again next week same time same place with me Harriet Minter and the Badass Women's Hour you've been listening to Badass Women's Hour if you like the show then help more people find us you can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating five stars please it helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us We'll be back next week with more badass guests and in-depth chat. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.